0: This tennis.com podcast is brought to you by ASICS, Sound Mind, Sound Body. You're listening to the Tennis.com Podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey everyone,
1: Tennis.com Podcast here on a Monday. I am Ed McGrogan with senior writers Pete Bodo and Steve Tigner. We're here, start of the Madrid Masters, a combined event going to be going on this week, followed right up by Rome, and then shortly after is the French Open. Uh, We're going to look that event a little bit also this past weekend two of the big names in that tournament Juan Martin Del Potro and Novak Djokovic both won titles so we're going to hit on both of them right now we'll start with Del Potro it's a question we've kind of been asking all year is when is this guy going to get back and I wonder with his latest win in um, Estoril in a pretty convincing final victory is Del Potro kind of really already a clay threat that for the French Open should we be talking about him in the same line as the other top tier of guys that he's been in in the past already? I think it's time
2: to, to talk to talk about him that way. He beat Soderling and Verdasco without too much trouble, straight sets. Um, in Estoril, we've, we've I think he's already been considered back. He made the semis of Indian Wells and lost to lost to, to Nadal there. He's he's been to the semis of the French Open, so we know he can play and play he must be and almost beat and... In 2009 in that semi, um, so I think he's he's another guy. Suddenly, you now we were talking about how Nadal was just going to roll through the clay season, but if you put in Djokovic first and now Del Potro, uh, who Del Potro's beaten Nadal three times on hard courts, never lost to him once on clay, then this is another guy who is a legitimate threat
3: to to Nadal. And they sh- should play in Madrid. Yeah. Del Potro's been to the semis or better in every event he's played since Australia. You know, I mean. He's so, he's, so, <laughs> so, you know, so he's, he's backing back up yeah, for you. Yeah, back, of course you know, course. His, his number is deceptive. His ranking number, I don't know what he's at, 43? He's, he's, he's going to get
1: seated in the French Open, which I think is a, really is a relief happy. to pretty much everybody else. But, but that's the deceptive ranking. Yeah. He's,
3: he's, he's far better than 32. Than yeah. These days. yeah. I mean,
1: everybody is realizing. I mean, players, media, they certainly know that when Del Potro has kind of found his form, which it appears he has, he is... I think many people are just expecting him to kind of get back into that shape that he was in in 2009. I mean, fairly or unfairly, those high expectations are placed on him after winning the U.S. Open the way he did. But the thing with him is he's just an all-surface threat, and I think mean, he's kind of shown that uh, hard or clay. That's where he originally made his run a couple of years ago, starting on the clay and then moving into the hard court events. So
2: He's a particular threat to Nadal just because of his game. He's he's tall enough to take those those high-bouncing balls, and he's got the two-handed back in type of game that... That's really the only type of game, it
1: seems, that it can trouble the Dolan What about What about, a, we just mentioned Soderling there, what about him uh, in this stretch of this sort of little back-to-back Masters thing we have going on this month? You have Indian Walls in Miami a couple months ago, you have Toronto and Cincinnati Larry. This is the big glut of Masters events here leading into the French, and Soderling has made uh, his mark on Clay these past years. What do you kind of expect out of him? Is he kind of... I guess just your thoughts on Sodering's play maybe uh, going for you. A nice start to the year.
3: He's a little lost at sea. I think he had some injury issues in the fall and early this year. And I think he's not quite where he was. You know, it's funny because his arc was rising steadily up and everyone kept thinking after, like, for about the time of beating Nadal at the French Open in the fourth round match during two thousand million, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, his arc was rising. and continued to build on that, you know, even at the French Open. And I think now... He's hit kind of a rough patch. Probably, probably, you know, going back, it probably has to do with his injury and then losing a little confidence and you know not feeling 100. percent And now he's, you know, I think he's struggled a little bit. He um,
2: he seems to be one of those guys who is in this situation that the top guys learn. He started out the season playing a lot, winning a lot, but you realize it's a, it's such a long season with so many different parts to it that something like the dollar, Federer, they don't really. They've learned to work their way into the year, You know, so when he came up winning two tournaments, he's going to play as many tournaments as he can and do as well as he can. But it seems like now he had that early peak and he's struggling to get back to that. He he um, fired his coach
1: yesterday, so there's obviously he doesn't feel like things are things are going well at the moment. You talk about threats to Nadal, a couple of guys here. The guy, last person to have uh, beaten Nadal on clay, I believe, is Federer. Actually, at this point, um, is that no, the Madrid a couple of years back? It mm-hmm. was two before. Years ago Madrid, years Madrid. Yeah, so Federer has, has made the Madrid final the past two years. Federer just came off of a uh, Monte Carlo loss to Um You know, we don't. I guess it's kind of the same deal with Federer kind Of working his way into the season here, we've kind of expected some sort of early round clay losses, but um, this has kind of been his tournament in recent years, too. So, you know, what what's kind of your thoughts on him at this
3: point? It's a big tournament for him. I mean, I think this is an important tournament for him because, look, I mean, the guy's got you know, what's he playing for at this point with, with, with the career he's had and you know, at uh, the age of 30 ish, you know, you know, I mean, it's no. not like he's going to panic if he, if he doesn't you know, win a title going into the French Open. But it would really help to keep his stock up if he does well in this tournament where, you know, if if the weather turns out to be fairly sunny, you know, it gets pretty quick there. You know, play pre- plays pretty quick and dry, so he should do well there. If he doesn't do well and the conditions are good, then you got to say, well, gee, you know, maybe he's struggling a little bit too and he's really not not, not really where he where he can be or where he wants to be. I mean, let's, let's remember he's only lost to Djokovic and Meltzer this year, right? So it's not as if the guy is, you know, really in a slump. But he's going, to, he's going to need to... Nadal, well, Nadal in Miami, too. So. Well, then Nadal the yeah. Miami. Yeah. But he, he needs to get up into that, uh, you know, uh, get back and, and play those fi- semis and finals games. I think he, in the last two years, he's used this tournament as, as his barometer. He he didn't
2: he doesn't make a big deal out of Monte Carlo. He I think he works his way into the play season more than he used to. He used to go all out for those tournaments against Nadal. And maybe he's learned, that, maybe Federer's learned that he can't. That's just not worth it. His his thing is the French Open, and I'm going to work my way towards that. He's done that again this year. He did not seem too concerned about losing Monte Carlo, but this year, so but this year Madrid comes a week earlier. Um, I assume he'll have the same sort of same sort of um, plan to really use this and Rome to get ready for the French Open. So I think it is a big turn because he's reached the finals the last two years. Also, it was Soderling who beat who was the last person to beat the Novak Djokovic Federer. That was before right? before the French. That's
0: right. The longest professional tennis match lasted 11 hours, 5 minutes, and took more than 3 days to finish. During the match, there were 980 total points played, 138 games, 2,189 strokes and 489 backhands. And combined, the players spent over 11 hours on their feet. Just imagine how much longer they could have gone if they were wearing the Asics Gel Resolution 3 with a Flexion Fit upper for extra stability it's engineered to go deep into the fifth set. ASICS, sound mind, sound body.
1: And the last man that we haven't discussed here, Djokovic, we want to get to him, comes in, takes his home tournament, um, now his record in 2007, 27-0. I don't think there was too much of a surprise of him winning that event. Uh, You know, it's obviously just a week before this tournament. I don't suspect that... Fatigue is any sort of factor, really, for him at all. He's going to get a late start as well, along with Federer and Nadal. Um, is it, is it right now kind of a Fed, a Djokovic Nadal final in your mind until proven otherwise? It seems like it. it seems like
2: Djokovic comes in with a lot of uh, with pretty much the perfect setup. He's got his rest from the early part of the season, but he's played some play matches. He's obviously has his confidence uh, pretty much intact. His draw is is average. He has Ferrer in the quarters. Obviously, that's a tough one, but still like Djokovic and Ferrari has reached the last two play um, court finals but you know, like you said, until proven otherwise, until he loses
3: a match, and you know, it's hard to pick against him. Well his you know his stem has really improved and that you know this whole bit about his diet eliminating well, gluten and, and, and pastas and carbs and st- things like that. It all makes a big difference. But, well, that's but well, you know, he's still I think his game is is more different or tougher on clay relative to hard than you would think, given you know the t- style he plays. I think his, his it's more de- on, it's
1: more demanding on him. You're saying, yeah, I yeah. think his
3: results on clay have not reflected his you know results on you know how good he is on hard. And I think I think there's more going on in terms of problems for him on clay than meets the eye. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, some of those like the French Open when you replayed Nadal, just just didn't look like he was in the match in a sense. You know, he you know he looked good. And I think it's tough for him. I think. With the slower court, you know, I think he doesn't have that real quick turnaround, quick strike, change direction on the ball, go from offense to defense, you know, quite as effective, defense to offense, quite as effectively as he does on hard courts. I think there's a big difference, a bigger difference than it seems for him going to play court. So I'm really curious to see how he does. The stamina, that's been an issue in the past. And, you know, the the other thing is, is he going to be able to grind it out over those two weeks of matches? Sometimes at the slams, you know, the Australian, he's done real well. And sometimes at the majors, he almost seems to lose you know, track of the thread a little bit, you know, uh, sort of like the Murray problem in a sense. I think there was that year at Wimbledon when he sort of screwed around and he, and he loses, like, you know, in semis or quarters, I guess, a couple years ago, when, when it looked like he sort of had the thing, you know, pretty much wrapped up. Last year he played a terrible match at Wimbledon Lake. So he's taken his eye off the ball at majors a few times. It's really going to be interesting to see if he can, he can really translate and bring that, you know, that, that confidence and that sort of really authority he had you know, hard court season, I think the
1: good news for Djokovic fans is that the the motivation clearly going to be there. And the, his track to the world number one, I think, has established itself is the is the top narrative of this year. You can debate whether it's about Federer kind of really sort of tailing off amongst the top two, but the talk has been pretty much exclusively about Djokovic in the big events and for obvious reasons. And like you said, he's won Rome before, I believe. But uh, you know, there is room for there's. There's stuff he, many things he has not accomplished on clay, and I think the French is probably he's made the semis, I believe, in all the majors. But I guess the most underwhelming to this point might be the French. So. His biggest his biggest um, thing
2: to, to accomplish on clay is to beat Nadal. He's right. He's beaten everybody else. He's been to all of these finals,
3: but he's never beaten Nadal in clay. He's played some really good matches against him. Hey, Nadal's won 14 Masters on clay. Federer's won, won like four or five, and Djokovic's won one. Rome, you know, uh, it was a good good effort. But you know, so he's got a little bit of catching up to do. Yeah. Definitely,
1: there is the women's tournament. Also, I we did mention it as a combined event. I I know it's not as much uh, you know marquee names as we would usually expect. Most notably, the Williams sisters, Kim Clijsters out of Madrid. I think you can pretty much write them out of Rome too. Some of that may be official already, and which we're just talking about off the air here. Uh, Pete, I think. I think we, based on your words, we should look forward to the Brussels Masters coming yeah, well, up in, uh, in a couple weeks. But well, why, will, why don't you explain that just a little bit? Well, yeah, no,
3: I think the Williams sisters have pulled out of everything before the French Open, or, or rather out of the two Madrid and Rome. So, and Kleisters is, is probably not going to play either of those either, it seems. So basically, what are you looking at? Any of those women want to match before the French Open, they're going to have to play Brussels a small event. Well, there's another one in France as well, but I mean... You know they would have to play one of these small events, and if, if they can you imagine if they all ended up playing in Clysters, and the two Williams sisters and said, hey, let's get some matches for the French Open, let's play Brussels. You know you, that would be a bigger tournament all of a sudden, and then pretty much anything that's it's happened like this New, year. it's
1: like if New Haven took more people, more great players on than like Cincinnati, or something like
3: that. Right, so, yeah. I doubt that'll happen by the way. Because I I sort of think the Williams sisters are come back for Wimbledon if they're going if they're going to play, if they're going to play. I think I think at Wimbledon, why should they play and claim their records have been pretty shaky these past couple of years.
1: Steve, uh, I, I know you have touched on the women in your post a little bit, but uh, it's 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 a it's like you said before, um, kind of the same old what we're seeing here. Without the biggest names, yeah, there was other biggest names. We can't really you know read as much into it as, as we'd like to.
2: Yeah, this is another you know another women's tournament for the for the hardcore fans, which is fine. There's a lot of good players in it, everybody, but the but the top names. But it's hard to to judge going forward to the French Open when we. You don't see somebody like Kleisters, who, who would be the favorite for it in this tournament, or Serena Williams, who obviously would be be a major contender. You sort of see these this next group, which was, they've kept WTA going this year, but um, but it doesn't feel like a bigger tournament than, than say, Stuttgart. Yeah, I think it's pretty much is a good city. example. Yeah. Do you think there's
3: any chance that... Uh just keep it on Maybe she'll go to too. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. She, she made this, uh, you know, fair. man, I really shouldn't have pulled the plug again.
1: Yeah, well, the Kim Slam, like we said, the, the possibility that has been, that's kind of fallen by the wayside now that we've, she, not not that it couldn't happen, but we're saying like you're saying here, without her and in the picture, it's just a harder thing to discuss. Wait, did you and, say Kim
3: Slam? Yes. The the, Slam? Yes. The Kim, Kim Slam. Slam? Interesting idea. The Kim Slam. Yes. <laughs> Half, it
1: here. Yeah, half, we're halfway through we're and, and we barely, she, Actually, barely she, ought, she, she should do well and, I mean she I wants,
3: wants, well she wants to win that tournament more than any other But she, it's a matter of
2: whether she can play if there's any
1: matches to be played before the French Open so we'll see how that happens thanks again for listening for Pete, Steve, I'm Ed McGrogan Tennis.com
0: you've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to tennis.com.